that is a song of perspective. The champion within me shall conquer. It's not the champion in me, in my nature, in my humanity. It's the champion in me, meaning Jesus Christ, who has taken up residence in me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on and give God a victorious praise because he is our conqueror. And he makes us more than conquerors. That's what we're talking about. Because God is setting big things in front of us. Five years to our 100th anniversary, we're moving on a journey to be at our best, to be characterized by strength, to reverence and receive the very power of God, to reach the lost, to reach the least, to raise up leaders, to see God reach the next generation. It is a very strategic time. So our mantra is this. As we pray, the supernatural empowers the natural. And this is how we conquer. It's about praying effectively. You know, if we can get this right, there's nothing else that will have such a far-reaching, high impact in our lives than having an effective prayer relationship with Jesus. And, and we must be honest, it's not always easy to feel that we are effective at praying. I was on my way uh, to the office this morning very early, and I heard on the radio a reference to pin the tail on the donkey. Do, do any of you remember playing that game like, for me, it was always at birthdays, like, you would get blindfolded. Now, think about this game. You get blindfolded, and you go, and you, you want to attach the tail to the hinder part of the donkey. That's what you're trying to do. And at times, you take the blindfold off, and, and you just stuck it right in the donkey's head or shoulder. You just really messed it up. And at times, I feel like praying, we're like shooting in the dark or aimlessly. We're trying to hit the target, but we miss it. We feel frustrated. What is prayer? How am I effective at praying? You know, if we get this right, there's nothing else that will have such a far-reaching impact on our world, right? Because we're talking to Jesus. We're talking to the God who is the champion in us, the conqueror. We're talking to the one who has all wisdom, all power, and all resources. So we're going to give ourselves to this because we want to catch the jet stream of God's favor and God's power as we go on this journey together. Now, we have a very important passage today. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Turn there with me, please. Deuteronomy 11 can't overemphasize the power of God's word and how relevant it is to us this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 11, starting at verse 10. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So would you read this like out loud? Let's just fill this atmosphere with the spoken word of God. Are you ready? Let's read together, concert fashion. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. Rather... The land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. Can you say amen to God's word? Go back, please, to the verse 10, and I want to break this down. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. Stop right there, whatever kind of note-taking you're doing. 
I would just insert this. God is saying, receive this as like prophetic over your life. God is saying, where I'm taking you is not like where you've been. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. God is repeating this word to us as a church. Our future is not our past. Well, what was their past as a nation? Next part of the verse. Where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. Context, just behind the slave quarters in Egypt, they had a little place of ground. They would find where the water was, was most likely to come if it did. And if they could get just a trickle of water to come their way, they wanted to capture it for the watering of the few plants that they had. So they took their foot, and with their foot, they created like an irrigation ditch so that water would come to what they had planted, this little bitty patch, this little bitty garden, so that maybe they could have some produce. And notice that in the effort of going out, behind the slave quarters to this little place of ground in just this faint prayer that water may come, making a little ditch with their foot. It is a great, clear picture of coping skills. We're just trying to cope. We're trying to make it, trying to have a little bit, uh, trying to survive. God is saying to them, I'm taking you out of here, and where I'm taking you, is not like this place. You have been coping. I'm taking you as a people to be characterized by strength and not weakness, to be characterized by that of conquerors and not just people that try and survive. So verse 11 says, Rather the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, land that the Lord your God cares for, He watches over it through each season of the year. Do you see the vast difference of where he's taking them as to where they have been? Do you see the hills and the valleys? It's speaking of the the kind of ground you want, plenty of rain, no longer trying to contain just a trickle of water, but now plenty of rain so that you have a, a totally different life than what you've ever known. I am praying that over you as a church. Better, greater, more incredible than you could ever imagine. Prophesying that the place where God is taking us is not like where we've been. In any way that you've experienced limitation, whatever has put a boundary around you, if there's been something that dysfunctioned in your family, if there's been an area of depletion, discouragement, things that are very real. Egypt was real. We have very real areas of struggle and difficulty. But we are not going to be limited by those anymore. God is going to cause the rain to come. He's going to watch over where he's taking us. And God has so much more than we could ever imagine. We're going to start really believing what Paul said in Ephesians, that he is able to do far greater than we could ask 
or imagine. The champion who lives in us is going to conquer. So our best days are in front of us. We should praise God for that. I say that with an urgency and with a conviction that this is a word to us. Now, I've got a question. Why did it take 40 years for Israel to get there? Geographically, it shouldn't have taken that long. It was a short journey. I mean, God clearly articulated what was in their future. And because of their perspective, it took 40 years before they ever received it. I have a couple of questions. Let me set them up with this statement. Geography and opposition were not Israel's biggest problems. It was their perspective of God. Question, are our problems bigger than God? Question number two, are there limits to God's power? They're rhetorical, we know the answer. But do we believe it? Because if we believe it, then here's the deal. These are perspective-changing questions. If you believe that there's no limit to God's power, then it changes your perspective, no matter how restricted or limited it may be by what has happened in the past, because you believe that God has no limit to his power, and you receive a promise like we read in Deuteronomy 11, your perspective changes, because here's the high price we pay if it doesn't. We'll go years without really possessing what God has. That's one of the sound bites in that Beth Moore video. When are we going to lay hold of that which is laid up for us that has been there since the foundations of the world? It's not going to be based on anything from the outside in. It's going to be a response of an inward uh, faith-altering perspective. Our perspective has to change. You see, Israel, they could not contain in their mind that things were really going to be different. Now, let's not be harsh with them. Let's not be short with them and say, how could they be that way? Because they had experienced slavery for 400 years. And when day after day, year after year after year after year after year, things don't change, it is hard to believe that things will change. We're no different. We're just like them. That's why God gives us so many lessons from their journey. You may have been in a tough, long, difficult season, very adverse, and it's not easy to just take on a perspective that things are finally going to change and that the future is not going to be like the past. The reason God keeps bringing us back to this is because the battering ram of heaven is just continually knocking on the door of need in our life until it blows through and breaks through and we really lay hold of this new perspective that God is great. It'll ignite the worship of this house. It will ignite your walk of faith in God. It will set a fire burning in your heart when you wake up really knowing the past is not my future. It's a perspective issue. You see, God said, I'm taking you to the promised land. What characterizes the promised land? Abundance. Exactly exactly opposite of what they had. Freedom characterized the promised land. Opposite of what they had. Plenty, abundance, freedom, prosperity characterized the promised land. 
It was the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Matter of fact, in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 11, it clearly defines the promised land as a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That's milk, basics, honey, blessings. Basics and blessings, more than you could ever imagine. You're not just going to have what you need every day. You're going to have more than enough. But can Israel wrap their faith around it? It would not be the amount of geography that God was taking them to that would create the challenge. It would not be the opposition of rivers and Jericho walls and one enemy nation after another. No, it would be whether or not they could have a perspective of God that would ignite a faith in their heart to believe. Do you believe? Let's be challenged by this. If we don't fix this, we'll continue to work on our little piece of ground, whatever that is, because our perspective can't see anymore, and we'll, in our day, do what's equivalent to Israel just making irrigation ditches with their foot. We'll develop and hone our coping skills so we can survive rather than conquer by the power of the champion who is in us. So how do we do it? The mantra is as we pray. The supernatural empowers the natural. So, Lord, teach me to pray. Or teach me to pray because if I can get this right, it has far-reaching impact. If I can learn to pray, it's going to directly affect my perspective. So God, teach us to pray. I want to give you a statement today. Here it is. Offer God-sized, very specific, scripturally-based prayers. Offer God-sized, scripturally-based, very specific prayers. Let's break that down. First of all, focusing on the word size. Mark Batterson has written a book called The Circle Maker, and one of the essence of the book is that there are no big answers to small prayers. There are small answers to small prayers, but there are no big answers to small prayers. Here's the context. Israel was praying a garden-based prayer, and now God is saying, I want you to pray a region-based prayer. Let me show you a map. Put that map on the screen if you will. Joshua chapter 1, we read it last week and weeks before. God said, I'm giving you all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, to the Euphrates River. I'm giving you all of the land of the Hittites. I mean, he talked about how far it'd go to the east, the west, the north, and the south. This is the people that have been going outside and digging out a little ditch in hiding, if you will, just hoping for a little water on their little garden, and their prayer never reached beyond that little small patch. And now God is saying, I'm giving you a region. Can you shift your garden-based prayers to a regionally-based kind of prayer? Enlarge your circle of prayer. The, the book Circle Maker is just kind of circling in your heart the dreams that God has put in there and so let's enlarge the circle. Israel was circling the little garden. It's like we got a few tomato plants and oh God, 
Oh, God, just help them grow. And God's saying, why don't you get, a, get the map out? Get the map out. What am I saying to you? I'm saying God has big prayers for you to pray. Pray prayers that honor God. They were praying over a little patch instead of a region. When are we going to pray for those things that are big? If you're praying for 100, add a zero. If you're praying for 1,000, add a zero. If you're praying for 10,000, add a zero. Exponential, go big. The size of my prayers are often determined by my problems. See, I look at my problem. My problem is I need water on this little patch. And so my prayer never goes beyond my coping skill. You see, if if I can break out and start dreaming again, I'll enlarge my circle of prayer. When I pray big, it's often because I think in my mind I have a big need. Lord, this is big. Lord, look at this diagnosis. This is big. It's not big to God. It's big to us. Why don't we just pray big all of the time? Because it is not my problem that invokes the release of God's power and provision. It is faith that moves God. It is not the size of a problem. God has no more problem blessing a little little patch of ground than he does a region. It's all the same to God. The question doesn't lie with God's ability or power. It lies within my strength of faith not in results or not in this is a substantial request, but in my faith in a great, awesome God who can do what he says he will do. The size of our prayer should be determined by the size of our God. Are you praying that way? See, if prayer releases the supernatural into the natural, then I better pray effectively. And one way to pray effectively is to check the substance, the size of the prayers. How about a church that will say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a big prayer. And it's exactly what Jesus used to teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The greatness of God should shape the size of our prayers. Look at the word, specific, God-sized, very specific. No more vague prayers. If there are no small answers to big prayers, then there are no specific answers for vague prayers. Make a specific prayer list. And start praying specifically and watch what God does. I have the kind of personality that when I have a to-do list, I get motivated when things are being checked off the list. It's encouraging. Progress is being made. Make a very specific prayer list. And let fresh fire fill your heart as you mark off one after the other that God is answering. You say, well, if I get real with that, that's risky. What if I make the list and it doesn't happen? But what if you keep praying vague prayers? What do we have to lose by being specific and saying, God, here's the deal. Lord, bless me. No, 
break that down and make it specific. Now, this is important. Number three, scriptural. God's eyes, very specific, scripturally based praying. The reason I say it should be scriptural is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith doesn't come by results I get in my life. If I get a desired result, it's, it's encouraging. It is like a reminder to my faith. Hey, look what God has done. He's brought me this far. Those are reminders and encouragers to my faith. But faith comes by the word, hearing the word. The way Israel finally prevailed is when they believed the word so that in the face of their opposition, they held on to the promise and they prevailed. I don't, in the face of opposition, feel a lot of momentum that comes from past results. It, it's, it's not a lot to hold on to. What has substance and holds me believing is the word, the promise of God. So if the promise is, I'm taking you to a new place, it's not like where you've been, where you've been has been rather limited and you've been coping, but where I'm taking you is going to be amazing beyond anything you could think or imagine, and you're going to conquer, then if that's the promise, I've got to hold to that promise and let that promise do something in my faith life so that I will begin to speak that prayer over the need before I see anything change. Now let's add, let's add this, this fourth word. It's the word speak. This is where it gets interesting. This is where I put it all together. And I, I want to give you an example. And I would like to challenge every one of us to take this next psalm that I'm going to show you, Psalm 112. Pray this over your life, over your family, over the future. Okay, this, what we're about to read, speaks to praying big, specific, scriptural, and declare it. Psalm 112, it's coming on the screen. It says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Let's just stop and say, Lord, I'm praying that there would be a right and reverent fear of you in my heart. We will not get tripped up so easily by sin if we have an appropriate fear of God. We will walk in a reverence of his power and receive his power if we have an appropriate fear of God. Lord, I'm going to ask you to let that be real in my heart and in my home, in my family. It is big, it is specific, and it is scriptural. So I speak it, Lord, and I pray this. I pray for joy. Lord, all of the negativity in this culture, all of the discouragement, it, all of the news we hear tends to be very disastrous and, and it's situations that make you distraught. God, I am claiming joy. Now keep going. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Look at the size of this prayer. Let's pray big. And yet it's specific. Lord, I'm praying my kids will be successful everywhere. And bless their kids, my grandkids. And, and bless, Lord, a legacy. Verse 3, here we go. 
they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. That's a big prayer. Is it okay to pray that way? It's in the Word. If we don't teach ourselves by the Word of God and those that follow us how to manage with the Lordship of Jesus Christ's blessings, then we can turn the whole message of God's word of prosperity and blessing into a very selfish prayer. And we can become consumers rather than contributors and a conduit for the blessing of God to just continually flow. But don't lose the message of a God who wants to bless just because a bunch of preachers and people have twisted it for their own gain. Don't lose the message. Don't lose this important truth. Here it is in the Word. Keep going. Let's pray big. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Lord, I pray over my life. I pray over my family that they will not be overcome by evil. Verse 7. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Lord, no fear over my family, I pray. Let there be confidence to trust in your care. Verse 8, they are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. That means, God, they understand you, the champion, live in them to conquer. Greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, I pray this, I speak this, I declare this over my heart, my home, my church, and my future. A mighty God being mighty in us. Verse number 9, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Notice this last Sentence, they will have influence and honor. Lord, I want to come into an alignment, agreement. That is God-sized praying to pray for influence and honor. Success forever. Triumphant in the face of adversity. Wealthy and yet generous. Fearless yet humble. Joy-filled, enthusiastic. Lord, I come into agreement. It is God-sized. It's very specific. It is absolutely scriptural. So I speak it, Lord. I speak this. Speak it over your heart. If you have kids, pray it over them. When they go to bed, stand in the door and say, Lord, I speak this over them. Lord, I pray this over them when you think about them through the day. Lord, I pray fear it. I pray confidence and not fear. Lord, I pray success and not defeat. Lord, I pray victory. I pray, Lord, your blessing. God, grow them, shape them, help them, empower them, bless them, keep them on fire for you, Lord. I pray influence and honor, influence and honor, influence and honor. I pray, God, I pray, Lord, I make the list, and when I see progress, I'm going to check it off and create my own praise and worship service in thanksgiving to God who answers God-sized, specific scriptural prayers. Come on and praise Him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now here's the passionate word. The place where you've been is not like where you're going. Shake off the residue of the past. Shake off the residue and the doubt of the past. 
Bury the past in a godly way. Get your eyes on the God of the future who is about the future. No more garden-based praying. It's time to pray regional-based prayers or else we're going to be a bunch of grasshoppers in our own small garden. For when they sent out the spies, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, let's do it. God's given us the word. They were looking at the grapes. The other ten were looking at the giants. I mean, they hauled back clusters of grapes. Going, look at this. This is where we're going. And the other ten were like, there's no way. What about the Jordan? There's a walled city. There is no way. We've got to break through that city to open up to this region. And there's no way. We, We probably won't get through the Jordan. It's flood stage after all. And we'll never get through the walled city. There, we can't do this. And the ten said, we are grasshoppers in their eyes. And we are grasshoppers in our own eyes. So a grasshopper complex took over the church. And so they walked out every day and said, oh God, should there be a trickle of water, I just want to make a little ditch with my foot hope you could put it here and water these few little plants. God just going to try to make it one more day, one more month, one more year. Forty years between the promise and the reality of the promise, which meant kids born in the early years spent some 30 years living less than what they could have known if there would have just been people who believed. Boy, this is, this is convicting. What are my kids not knowing about God and God's plan for our lives because of my limited perspective of God, my little faith in God, and my small prayers to a big God? Paul Roberts said God gave him a dream. He was in heaven and God took him to this warehouse. You may have heard this. It's one of my favorite stories. And he goes in that warehouse and it was all this great God-ordained activity that had happened, miracles that had happened, projects that had been done. And, and Oral said to God, what is all this? It says it's things you could have done if you had just believed. So coming out of that dream said, Oral said he prayed to God and said, God, I want to live in such a way as to empty that warehouse before I come to meet you. I wonder what God has in store. I wonder what he's got laid up in your future, just ready. I wonder what you can take possession of by faith and obedience. God's got it all in store if we just believe believe I want to lead you in prayer today and I pray it'll be pivotal praying I pray it'll be effective praying and we're going to pivot from this attachment to where we've been to an attachment to a great and an awesome God and where he's taking us pivotal praying to where we are released from the residue and the doubt 
that has been created by historical events in our lives to a fresh faith in God who's still on the throne, who's still sovereign, who's still more than enough and can do more than I could ever even think or imagine. We've got to come back to a faith in God. We've got to elevate our thoughts. That's why A.W. Tozer said that a low view of God is the cause of a thousand lesser evils. Our perspective of God. 